Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This is the Rusk Report program that takes an inside look at Western New York with news, features, and special guests. Now, here's your host, Brian Rusk. Welcome to the Rusk Report, back by popular demand. We have one of my heroes on the program today. I have dealt with hundreds of elected officials in the last 30 years, but one man stands out. What you see is what you get with Sheriff Tim Howard. He doesn't care what the media says. He doesn't care what fringe groups say. He does what he feels is right. He's a man of courage and responsibility. He's been in office since 2005. He took uh, office after Pat Gallivan, who became a state senator. He is Republican. His wife is Susan, who's a lovely woman. And uh, they led the Pulaski Parade perhaps 10 times on horse. And uh, he lives in South Wales. And we're very honored to have him with us today, a man of great uh, courage and uh, principle. And uh, he stands up for what he believes in. Now, one thing we never hear in the media is the jail being honored. And I understand they got some awards. They got some recognition for doing superb work. All we hear about are about suicides. And I would think that probably 90% of them are people who are suffering withdrawal from heroin. And you're not a psychiatrist. You're not a psychologist. You're not a psychotherapist. You are a sheriff. So let's talk about the awards and the honors and distinction Sheriff Tim Howard won with the jail. Well, thank you. But I think there are men and women that, that uh, work in the jail that won those awards. But uh, I mean, with, with a great introduction, I'm asking, can the people of your audience see me um, blushing over the radio? You that, look uh, wonderful. But we're missing <laughs> yeah, your yeah. big horse, which yeah. you're in the parade. We need the horse here. Yeah, but, but, but to the awards, I'm certainly very pr- proud of the men and women in the, in the uh, jail management division. Um, four out of the last five years, um, the Erie County Jail Management Division has won the New York State Sheriff's Association Innovative Program of the Year Award. And and uh, thank you for pointing out all we ever hear is about is the negative. It certainly makes the the ability for the the, the jail's ability to be successful, it, it decreases that uh, because of the doubt that's being caused by the media that won't take um, a, a fair look at what's going on. But the most recent award um, was for a, a program designed to prepare inmates to go back to the 
in, into the community, both to get jobs, um, to anger management programs, a variety of different um, life skills, social skills that they need in order to go back out into the community and not be recidivists, not uh, be back at the jail in the next weeks or the next months. And it's uh, it's been a very successful program. But uh, among other programs, we, we had a national model mm-hmm. for a veterans housing unit. It was our position that... Uh, this is in the jail. You had the, a veterans housing in you know, the jail. Yeah. What did they do for veterans there? Um, we, we recognized that veterans, oh, these are men and women that were once productive members of the community that, that went away to serve the country and somehow got lost before they got all the way back home. So this is a program of veterans helping veterans. Um, the, you, only veterans can live on that housing unit. They, they mostly, they do most of the upkeep, the maintenance, the, the order maintenance on the on that uh, housing unit. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the only, the, we, we have a waiting list of staff waiting, wanting to go and work there, but all of that staff is also former veterans. So again, the success of the program, it's veterans helping veterans, both to um, regain those social skills and deal with it, whatever problems, other problems they might have, um, frequently it's drug addiction. Now I'd like to mention that the sheriff a few weeks ago spoke before three Rotary Clubs. It was a difficult speech because there was music next door at Risotto's, and he had to holler. He wasn't hollering, disciplining people. but I don't he, usually holler. He, yeah. he had to raise his voice because there was music next door, but he was on fire. I'll tell you, he was on fire at that speech. They had the Amherst South Rotary Club, the Amherst East Rotary Club, and the Williamsville Club, and uh, what a wonderful uh, speech. A lot of a, a Applause, but one thing that they loved the most at Sheriff Tim Howard's speech at the three Rotary Clubs in Amherst, New York, was the uh, cashless bail discussion of people uh, arrested for robbery or assault or DWI, and they get an appearance ticket. We, we've heard so many horror stories about this. Uh, what type of ridiculous law is this? Tell us this cashless bail. Does it make any sense to you, Sheriff Tim Howard? You know, it, it, certainly, it's highest solved crimes is, is thinking them through. Um, this is, I think, a crime toward public safety, against public safety, and I, I can't think it through. I can't see um, what it was that we would hope to gain, or or maybe even to say, um, is is the cost worth the gain? Um, I think just just a few days ago there was a, an article about a man from this western New York area um, who in the first six weeks of 2020 when this new law had taken over he had been arrested six times so once a week for larcenies and burglaries and each time he was released he went out and committed another larceny or another burglary. Once a week he was arrested, but you weren't allowed to put him behind bars. That's correct. And fi- finally, on the sixth offense, by some uh, an assistant district attorney um, that, that became aware of, I guess, a little contradiction or a little glitch or a little opening the law, but if you were out on bail for a felony, and while out on bail on a felony you committed another felony, um, you could then you could then ask for bail, right? So, and this, this is this is all a case, not just of holding the person in jail, but you could only then um, 
could you ask for is bail? Is he in jail now, or did he get another appearance ticket? Um, I don't know. I think it was I, – I, I don't know, but I, I suspect if he's supposed to think the bail in that case was was $30,000. Great judge in Cheektowaga that, that uh, saw through that, but I think the bail was set at $30,000. Um, I don't know if he's been released yet um, or not. But, you know, to anyone out there, just think, uh, the majority of the people we've accepted that are coming to jail are there at a, uh, because of a drug drug dependence. So an individual that's arrested by law enforcement in possession of drugs or in possession of ill-gotten gains, which no doubt would have been used to purchase more drugs, um, finds themselves arrested. The law enforcement would take away the illegal drugs um, or anything believed to be evidence of their crime. That end individuals that immediately put back on the street. What what does anyone think he or she is going to do? I mean, they're they're no doubt desperate for more drugs. Um, they're going to do a an even more desperate act than the one that got them um, last uh, last arrested. So how do you think this is um, helping public safety? So um, the people that best make these decisions are the judges that were elected by the local communities, and they're the ones that should be making the decisions on what the public safety needs of their particular community are. These are not decisions that should be made in Albany and ultimately controlled by New York City. Unbelievable, the lack of logic. Uh, we have a great uh, American hero now, a man of courage, Sheriff Tim Howard on the Rusk Report on ESPN AM 1520. This station has received letters as far away as Scandinavia and New Zealand. We'd like to hear from you as we blanket 17 states and much of Canada. Please write to Brian Rusk, ESPN Radio, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Buffalo, New York, 14226. I'd like to thank those who called regarding our recent guests, Congressman Tom Reed, who's with the Problem Solvers Caucus in in uh, Washington. We had a program with a woman who hosts in uh, 24 stations the Flavor of Poland series on public broadcasting nationally, and Mo Nalon, who's active with the employer support of the Guard. Coming up, we're going to have Vic Damone's daughter on this program, Victoria Damone, another Vic Damone, and Richard Earle, whose grandfather designed the first Corvette and all the cars with the fins in the 1950s. You remember they had TV ads about Harley Earl? We're going to have his grandson here on the Rusk Report. little plug here, ESPN 1520 is streaming. You can listen live by going to our website, ESPN1520.com, and clicking on the radio.com or listen tab. Western Yorkers love their traditions, and the Ampol Eagle has been writing about Polish-American traditions and events for over 50 years. News and features from a Polish-American perspective can be found in this weekly newspaper, as well as recipes and a calendar of events. Don't miss out on the next cultural presentation or polka dance by reading the Ampol Eagle. The Ampol Eagle is available in many Tops and Wegman stores. For home delivery, call 716 716- Eight three five nine four five four. That's seven one six eight three five nine four five four to have the latest news from Poland and Polonia in your mailbox each week. And the sheriff's wife Sue is Polish and a wonderful woman. Uh, she's given great service to the sheriff's department and a tremendous person. I'd also like to publicly thank Mickey Pawenski who is a right arm of the sheriff, who's been on uh, help with these programs a dozen times, a wonderful and very loyal uh, worker for the sheriff's department. A little bit more about the sheriff. He faced three candidates in the 2013 election. 
Tim Howard received the Erie County Republican nomination and the Erie County Conservative nomination. Meanwhile, the two other candidates were Dick Dobson and Burt Dunn. Both went to a Democratic primary. Dobson came out as the primary's winner, becoming the Democratic nominee, while Dunn stayed in the race by starting a political party to receive ballot access, the Erie County Law and Order Party. Of course, the sheriff was reelected. Had a lot of opposition, but he sailed through as he has for the past 15 years. Uh, a wonderful uh, public servant, the sheriff. Let's uh, talk um, a, a little bit about uh, the heroin and the withdrawal in the jails. And again, the sheriff gets blamed when people are going through withdrawal and they kill themselves. Let's talk about withdrawal. How do these people cope? What do they do when they're withdrawing from heroin, cocaine usage? They're locked up in the jail. What's going through them mentally and physically? How do you deal with this trauma of these uh, criminals who are in jail uh, who are going through withdrawal for heroin or cocaine usage? Well, we, we have medically assisted withdrawal programs in the facility. Um, there is a, a new trend, and I personally uh, object to it, but there is a new trend um, suggesting that individuals that are um, heroin addicts, opiate addicts, um, that, that they not be forced through withdrawal, instead that they be maintained on an opiate um, while they're in custody. And, and I think that that's just a total surrender on the, part, on the government's part. Um, we've, we've talked for 40 years about a war on drug, but all the casualties have been on the side of the public or on the side of uh, law enforcement without any, any real casualties um, toward, toward the drug dealers that, that peddle this uh, killing substances um, to begin with. Uh, too many elected officials that say that drug dealers are not violent criminals and um, they should be put back on the street with, with shorter sentences. And again, the, um, they're peddling a substance knowing what it can do knowing it that can kill people, ruin families, cause crime, and they certainly are involved in or part of the cause of, of crime. But back to the specific question, um, the, with, if we accept that a person has become so, so damaged that they have to spend the rest of their life on a drug um, supported by the government, you know. Let, let's look at that from the bottom line. What what are we doing? We're we're just keeping people in almost in a vegetative state, and the government's playing a role in it. Um, the, the answer has has always been the same, and and again, this type of new focus is is undermining that. But it's it don't do drugs, and um, we've had um, elected officials here in Erie County say. Don't buy drugs from strangers. I, I, if you heard a laugh there, I'm How about not I'm buying sorry. drugs from Period. anyone? That's right. Anyone. Yes. So or what kind of a drugs. government leader would say, don't buy drugs, only, only buy them from what? Friends? Reputable <laughs> to, I, mean, I, I mean, we're both laughing, but, but it, it, the foolishness or the, the what, gallows humor, I guess. How, what, a, what a thought. Ridiculous. Let's talk about the other hardened criminals. You, do you have murderers? you have rapists? Do you have people for grand larceny? What type of other criminals do you have in the jail? Tell us about uh, we've, we've got them criminal all. activity. We've got them all. People would think, well, you're just a little county jail. Actually, we're one of the biggest 
county jails in the state, but but you're just a small jail. But um, people forget that that the New York State paroles people that no doubt should not have been paroled, including murderers. Mm-hmm. And when they go back out and 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 kill more people and commit more crimes, um, they're sent back to our facility. And they the parole violators sentenced by judges to the custody of the state. The state released, as far as I'm concerned, a defective product before its time. But rather than sending them directly back to the state, um, they, they, the state um, parole officers, probably following the direction of their um, supervisors, bring them back to the county jails. I figured, boy, what an abandonment of their responsibility. Um, um, strangely, and we're, we're, we're arguing this, been looking for years for support for it, um, when we take an inmate to the state, we cannot deliver them without a full medical report on the individual. But when the state brings inmates back to our facility, they don't bring us back. They, they don't provide the, the medical records of those inmates. So we're taking a com- complete unknown product. Um, well, why don't they tell you? If, you're, if somebody has an addiction to heroin or cocaine or fentanyl, wouldn't it be helpful for you to know in case they have a relapse or a medical crisis? I mean, why, why wouldn't they tell you? You know, there's people that, that want to talk about the, the deaths that we have in the jail, and several of them have been exactly that. They've been state inmates brought in by parole. Um, in one, one of our more recent cases was an individual that was brought in, um, I think, with a, a, a body weight of less than 90 pounds. Um, that came into our facility that died, that died three days later, and they want to say that um, that's Erie County's fault. Um, in fact, that inmate had emaciated. been emaciated. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that inmate had been in our facility um, more than three years before, uh, before going to the state. And, at, and this at was that time, drugs that caused this uh, physical state. And, and, and I don't know that now on that particular case if it was drugs. I mean, it certainly would be a if you had to predict something, I certainly would say that. But I don't know if what the incarceration was for, but if you played the percentages, it was either possession or sale or committing a crime um, to get drugs or committing a crime while under the influence of drugs. Uh, but somehow drugs in all probability played into that. But um, that, that this person lost uh, 25% of their body weight in, in three years, um, comes back into our facility. Obviously, there's there's something wrong here if someone was tracking um, that, that individual's mm-hmm. history. But the, the question still is, why does the state demand that we give give them the records when we deliver the inmate, but they don't follow their own advice when they bring an inmate to us? Sounds like. Well, let's a, keep the focus on the sheriff. Right. Yeah, let's okay. let's talk now about this a green light law. Now, your sheriff's deputies sees a car swerving all over the place, and then they pull the person over. I understand with this new law, you cannot look up their previous criminal record. Now, if you arrested me for such behavior, you immediately check out every infraction that I've had in in many years. Now, isn't this preferential treatment for people here who committed a crime who are here illegally, illegally, I repeat the word, illegally, now why should they be treated better than me when I didn't come here illegally? My parents came from Poland, Dallas Island, legally, so why do they get preferential treatment that we cannot check their criminal background? You know, once again, I know the question is rhetorical, but you'd yeah. have to try and guess. Um, why are you doing this? Um, again, again, laughing at something that certainly isn't funny. Yeah. Um, I am glad that the, the people that are 
opposed to these these driver's license aren't backing off. They're continuing the fight mm-hmm. um, to stop it. Um, most recently, um, and, and again, I think we're, we're placing the blame on the on the federal government for what I think was a very appropriate action to say that the people from New York State, a state that is refusing to share motor vehicle information with federal law enforcement people, that the federal government will never no longer issue the the easy pass, the quick traveler, um, Nexus, Lexus, all these different right. programs they got for easing crossing the border. They will no longer issue those to people um, from New York State because New York State will not share their information. And they want to blame that on the federal government, saying, I totally support that. Um, that's and election. aren't we the only state in the United States that won't give that information? Of I, fifty I, states, we're the only one. New York State. I don't. Who I don't know that. I believe that's it's the not case. surprising. I've heard but that. It, but it, it, it's. I think California would be along with us on that one. But but uh, maybe we're competing for who can do the silliest things with California all the time. So maybe they're not far behind us with this. Now uh, we'll just take a little break here for those who just tuned in to the Rusk Report. We're very honored to have bo- back by popular demand as we receive so many uh, calls uh, at ESPN AM 1520 about Erie County Sheriff Tim Howard, a popular elected official in office for the past 15 years. And sometimes he has two or three candidates against him, but he keeps winning. Erie County Sheriff uh, Tim Howard, a little more information. He lives in South Wales with his lovely wife, Susan. He comes from a family of law enforcement officials, ranging from municipal judges to state troopers. He has two children and six grandchildren. Any thoughts or comments? If you're listening in Washington, Montreal, or Buffalo, please write to Brian Rusk, ESPN. AM 1520, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Buffalo, New York, 14226. Again, our guest is popular Erie County Sheriff uh, Tim Howard. Let's talk about uh, uh, DWI and uh, how serious a problem we have. And I understand there's a, a story out that a man who was given two appearance tickets for two DWIs got out and then killed drunk a Buffalo State uh, college student. Uh, let's talk about uh, that uh, with this uh, new law with appearance tickets. Uh, d- d- don't, aren't you embarrassed by our judicial system that allows this person who's on the after two arrests kills this student? The, um, I guess we, there's certainly lots of failures within the criminal justice system, um, judicial um, correctional um, and law enforcement. But um, I, I think probably I, I would put the focus back on maybe the legislative part of this. They keep passing laws and they and they keep lowering um, blood alcohol limits and they, they, they pass a law and to get right to the point, um, the inter- ignition interlock devices that if a person is okay. um, once convicted of a, a, of a DWI offense, they any vehicle that they then operate has to have this ignition interlock. Well, they passed the law and they don't enforce it. It's like saying so. Um, well, what is the law? It, there you go. I mean, saying saying, yeah, let's just pass another law. So to to all of your your listeners out there, um, give some thought to that. Um, laws without enforcement. Um, I think what's the term is paper tigers, right? It's like saying so. Um, our legislators that pretend they're making us safer by passing laws while. While, while again not providing the resources or not not supporting the enforcement of their, their laws, all they're trying to do is fool you into thinking that we passed the law, problem solved, 
Um, let's move on to my reelection. Let's talk about what I thought was a ridiculous comment. I believe Governor Cuomo said that the roads will be safer having illegal aliens <laughs> driving. Now, if they're here illegally, I would think they'd be very worried about being caught and probably wouldn't be the best drivers. They're here illegal. Who God only knows if they have car insurance because they're here illegally. But how does that make the roads safer having, should we have people come out of the jails and start driving? I mean, how does it make it safer? I would think it makes it more dangerous having illegal aliens who are here illegally driving cars. I mean, I can't even begin to guess at, at where that logic comes from or or what, what points there were, but uh, um, somebody should ask the governor to ex- explain why that's so or, or which criminal justice public safety experts out there uh, told them that. And, and then the next question I'd ask is, well, were those people appointed by, by him yeah. um, or, or were they otherwise selected by because they, in fact, were the most knowledgeable? So, I mean, the fact that, that his appointees tell him what he wants is not much of a surprise. But I certainly don't see any logic toward why um, giving a person a license that, that, that shouldn't be here in the beginning in any way makes us safer. Um, win a prize if you can answer that one. Okay. Now let's carry that to the bank robbers. I understand there were two people who uh, – a man robbed two banks, got an appearance ticket, and then he went out and robbed a grocery store. Now – Where's the logic? Now, I know they say there's discrimination, but when you arrest people, you don't know what color they are, what race they are. You're catching them for robbing a bank. You you have no idea if they're male, female, Jewish, Catholic, Protestant, Hindu. You're catching them for committing a crime. So how do they look upon this as discrimination when you're you're just catching people for a crime. You don't know what they're doing, what what their background is. Explain that one. To well, me. the Eighth Amendment of the Constitution talks about bail, and what it simply says is that excessive bail shall not be required. And that may not be the exact language, but the the purpose of bail, the the sole legitimate purpose of bail, is to guarantee the individual will will appear in court. Um, if you don't need to, 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 it's like a bond. You know, you're 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 putting something out there or collateral. You're putting something at risk um, on a promise that I will appear in court when I'm told to appear in court. Um, certainly, the fact that somebody goes out and commits additional crimes is a is a whole different thing. But the legitimate focus on bail um, and what this bail reform was supposed to be about was saying. Um, I guess following that concept set by our forefathers about bail and the purpose of bail, um, how it actually applies is that um, wealthy people are able to post their bail and poor people are not. So therefore, the law is unfair to poor people while favoring the But when you arrest someone for robbing a bank, you don't know if they're poor or rich. Rich or poor, no. You have no idea. 
No, and and that's why they they focus how to get back on this. But the fact that that a poor person may not be able to immediately um, make a, a bank withdrawal, um, they may rely upon other family members to do that. Well, that means that you've got family members exercising influence over that individual that will make yeah. sure he or she comes to court. Now, the other part of that is if you post bail and you flee to some some other state. I mean, they're then found in another state. There's an expense to the taxpayers to bring you back. Um, and Thousands of dollars. That, yeah. that, that comes out of the bail. So, so now what we're saying is individuals that flee New York, um, that go elsewhere, there is no bail, and the taxpayers will now pay the entire expense of that and not the family or not the individual that, that posted the bail. Um, so um, one thing we didn't talk about is the we, we, we talked about these programs that I'm very proud of in our, in our jail to help inmates, um, help them to get ready to both to, to go to court, to show the court that they've already taken steps to become more responsible citizens. Mm-hmm. They're now being released, and they have no no one out there that's providing those services. So I'm the sorry, we have to bring the Rusk Report to a close. We have to bring this popular sheriff back, man of great courage and responsibility tim howard erie county sheriff for 15 years special thanks to kevin carr director of production for the last 15 years and thanks always to sue howard the lovely wife of the sheriff and mickey powenski is the right arm of the sheriff thank you for teaching us so much about the green light laws sheriff tim howard have a great week You've been listening to The Rusk Report, a program that takes an inside look at the Western New York community with news, features, and special guests. If you have any comments or suggestions, please write to Brian Rusk, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Amherst, New York, 14226. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.